I should have known it worked. She just used it. <laughs> Snap, Shelly Mitchell. Man, we got like a sermon and everything in that prayer. That song was powerful. Thank you so much for praying for that. How are you guys doing? Feeling good? Feeling great? If you feel great, tell your neighbor, say, I feel great. I feel great. Some of you guys didn't say it. <laughs> Today is a special day. Today is a special day. As Pastor John Michael said, as well as, as Shelly prayed, New Philly is, today's the day that we're launching our third campus, New Philly Seaside, down in the city of Busan. And whenever a church plant takes place, whenever something new goes out, it has ramifications for everyone in the body of Christ. And it has special ramifications for everyone in this house. Even if it's your first day here, there's a, a blessing, there's a breakthrough that you step into just by coming here today. And it's the same way whenever we did the Itaewon church plan in 2010, we sent 10 leaders. 10 of us, we came and we went to King Bar and we started the Itaewon church plan. And... That same day at the other campus, at the hillside campus where we were sent from, they had like their largest attendance that they've ever had. They just sent 10 people, but then that day they were packed out for some reason. And the glory of God just came in such a powerful way on that day. And it was because they had, it's because we as a church, we were breaking through to a new level. You know, when, when Jesus was on the cross and the veil was torn, it wasn't just a breakthrough for the people who were there in Jerusalem. It was a breakthrough that went out to everyone. Even people who weren't Christian were positively impacted by the cross. And so even today, I, I just believe the word of the Lord for you today is that God has breakthrough for you today. There's breakthrough all over this day. I woke up this morning and I wanted to just do jumping jacks. Because I felt that there was breakthrough all over this day. If you want breakthrough, say, I want it. I want it. That's good. You need to want it. <laughs> See, when we, when we started this Itaewon church plan, and even as today, as we're starting the New Philly Seaside church plan, I want you to know that that church is a new creation. Never before in human history has there been a New Philadelphia church in Busan. I want you to think about that. 2010, April 4th at 4 p.m. There, before that time, they, there had never been a new Philly in Itaewon. Without that taking place, you wouldn't be here. Many of the leaders, many of the people who have stepped forward into this house, the breakthroughs, the anointing, the growth that they've experienced, the encounters with God, it would have never took, taken place. If April 4th, 2010 didn't have, wouldn't have happened. And the people in Busan, there's so many of them, as Pastor John Michael was saying, that do not know the Lord, who are hardened or, or just against just anything Christian. They're like, who's Jesus? And then they don't even know who Jesus is, but they're like, I hate Christianity. It's like, you don't even know what it's about. But today it has it has huge implications for the rest of their life. 
I believe that today has huge implications for the rest of your life. I want you to turn into your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read one verse today. And it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. You there? Say, I'm there. I'm there. We're going to read it all together. It's an interesting verse. One, two, three, she dropped. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to say a word of prayer for you today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for every person that you brought here today. I thank you, God, that today is a day of breakthrough. And for every person who entered this place today, God, there is a breakthrough for them. Lord, when they leave this place today, they will not leave the same. I thank you, God, that the word that you have for today is spirit and life. And I pray, Father, that every person in this room would catch it in the spirit. That, Lord, that there would be something inside of them that is awakened. I just call it forth right now in Jesus' name. I just speak that our minds, our ears, our hearts are alert and awake to catch the word that you have for us today, God. And I just thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall join his wife, and the two will become one flesh. When Adam and Eve were married, they became one flesh, right? It's like, duh. Some of you are like, duh, Pastor Marcus, duh. When they, they became one flesh. But I want you to know that that oneness that took place, never before in human history had that happened. The one that they had become was a complete new creation. You know, I was, I was spending time with Pastor Robert Daniels and Pastor Benjamin and Pastor John and Pastor Anita, a lot of pastors Um, But this is when Pastor John and Pastor Anita, they were engaged and they were soon to be wed at the end of December. And I'm sitting there in the same room as them and they're all talking. And all of a sudden, Pastor Daniel starts counseling Pastor John and Pastor Anita. And I felt like I should leave the room. You know, I'm like, I'm the single guy sitting here. Like, But they were like, no, no, you need to stay. And (laughs) And Pastor Daniels began to talk to them and they were like, and then. He looks at them and he says, I want you to know something. And I've got my pen out too. I'm I'm taking notes. I'm not getting married, but I'm taking notes. And he's like, when the two of you come together and you become one flesh, you two together is a complete new creation. Never before in human history has there been an Anita and a Jonathan Newfield. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? (laughs) What? But then as soon as he spoke that out, revelation began to hit me. And I realized that that's just not, that's not just them getting married. That's, that's everything. That when Christ came and he joined the lost, what was, what came forth was a new creation. We call it the church. When you are in Christ, you are a new creation. 
God wants there to be a new creation in every single aspect of our lives. God wants newness in your relationships. God wants newness in your family. How many of us want a new creation in our family? My brother and sister, they're not saved. I desperately want new creation to take place in their lives. Many of us, we want new creation in our our walks with Jesus, in our ways, in our mindsets, in the way that we live. We want to be new, don't we? We want to walk and we want to live as new creations. And here in this verse, in chapter chapter 2, he says that Adam, that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall join his wife. And when that happens, they'll become one. One flesh. And that oneness is a completely new creation. I want to tell you today that you're going to leave here as a new creation. If any of us are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But for many of us, we don't live as new creations. For many of us, we don't experience that newness in every area of our lives. In fact, we know a lot of what's old instead of what's new, don't we? You become a Christian, you say the prayer, amen. The next day you wake up, everything is exactly the same as it felt the day before. Maybe you... I've met people who say they've been Christian their whole life, and I don't really understand that because I have never seen a baby repeat like the sinner's prayer. But for so many people, that's what they say because their Christian walk has felt like it's just old. They don't walk around as new creations. You hear what I'm saying? There's power in being a new creation. There's power in your thought life. There's power in your relationships. There's power everywhere we go. There's a new creation. When you walk as a new creation, it's completely transformational. So I'm going to talk about what it means to live as a new creation. And I'm going to talk about marriage. I don't know anything about marriage. Somebody said nice. I know enough about marriage because I'm married to Jesus. I'm going to keep telling myself that. (laughs) See, if you're going to be a new creation, the first thing that has to happen is you have to leave. If you're going to become one with the new thing that God has in your life, if you're going to become one with the thing that God wants to bring you into, the first thing you have to do is you have to leave. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. And shall join his wife and the two will become one. Before you can ever join in the new thing that God wants to bring into your life. Eve was a completely new thing to Adam. He had never seen her before. And when he did, he was like, wow. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, you know. In order for you to join the new thing that God has for your life, you first have to leave. Christ had to leave heaven to join us. 
The Busan team, you know, in order for the Busan church plant to take place, they actually had to leave Seoul. In order for you to step into a new level, in order for you to step into a new mindset, in order for you to step into new ways, you first have to leave the old. You have to cast off the works of darkness if you're going to put on the armor of light. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says you first have to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires before you can ever put on the new self. Many of us, we we want new ways. We want new relationships. We want new mindsets. We want things to be new in our lives, but we're not willing to leave the old. God, change me. Make me new. Do something new in my life. Do a new thing in my life. We all love Isaiah 43, 19. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I remember when I read that verse, I first, first time I ever heard someone speak that verse, I claimed it. I wanted to like put it on a t-shirt. I wanted to walk around with it everywhere. Yes, God is doing a new thing. And we love to say that, right? I claim that. God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. Shabbat. <laughs> and we love Isaiah 43, 19. But what we don't read is Isaiah 43, 18. Which says, remember not the things of the past. Consider not the ways of old. Many of us are claiming new things while we're still remembering the past. Still clinging to the ways of old. But you have to leave it completely. You know, in America, there's this epidemic. Where I read about this in the New York Times. I read about this in the Wall Street Journal where in the West... Adolescence is getting longer. It's like the Xbox syndrome, the PS3 syndrome. Adolescence is getting longer and longer and longer and longer. And the time that people are married is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And everyone's still living with their mom and dad. And everyone's still relying on mom and dad's paychecks in the mail. And everyone's still relying on mom and dad to provide for everything that they can, they need and everything that they ever want. Cause, cause they're still living as adolescents and they're 35 years old and they're not married and they're still living with their parents. And as I was reading that, I was like, Hmm, that sounds familiar. Because in the church, we have a lot of people who are continuing never to grow, never to grow, never to grow, never to grow. And instead of going into the new thing that God has for them, they just continue to stay in adolescence and they never step into maturity. Mm. See, you can't. You can't step into the new thing. You can't step into a new level until you leave the old one. You can't experience that breakthrough unless you're willing to let go of what's in the past. You can't step into sonship and still cling to an orphan spirit. 
Oh, I trust this person. They're my spiritual mother. They're my spiritual father. I really believe. I really, I like that person, but I still am afraid. I'm still, they don't really relate to me the way I would want a father to relate to me. You're still holding on to your old mindset and still expecting to get a new one. It doesn't work that way. I really like this place. I really like this church. I really like these people, but the way they do church, I don't. You can't do both. My little sister, I got a text message from my mom. My mom said, no, don't, don't like add your parents on like Facebook or cacao. My mom got a smartphone and then all of a sudden she added me on cacao and she sends me messages at random times of the day. Like it's like three in the morning and she's like, Hey, hope you're doing well. I'm like, mom. It's, it's kind of cute. It's, yeah, until your parents get Facebook and then there's a picture of me waiting in the water in Busan. And so at that time, I couldn't swim. And my mom sees the picture and she writes in all capital letters. Marcus, are you okay? Be careful out there. You know you can't swim. Don't drown. And this wasn't even my photo. Mom, you cannot be doing that. That's Pastor Christian's photo. Everyone's going to see that. I'm sorry, baby. I just, I just saw it. I, said, I was worried she's going to drown. I said, Mom, the water didn't even go past my knee. I got to slip and fall. And like, so much has to happen for me to drown. She's like, anything can happen. My mom gives, my mom sends me a text message. She says, call your sister. I have a a younger brother and a younger sister. And that's all she says. Call your sister, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Like it is a big deal. And I call, I call my little sister. And the backstory to this is my little sister this past week, she graduated from high school early in December. And this past week she left to go to art school. And I guess they do like a quarter system or something. I was all confused why she was going to school in March. But um, she left to go to art school. And I call my little sister up. And I'm like, Taylor, what's going on? And she's crying. (laughs) I want to go home. She's got like a deep southern accent. I want to go home, Marcus. I'm like, what's what's going on? What's wrong? And I come to find out after I talk to her, get through all the tears, that she was afraid of getting, she moved about two hours away. And where I'm from, we don't have a public transportation system. Like, if you need to get anywhere, you walk or you take a car. Some of you thought I was going to say like a horse. I'm, I'm from the south, but it's not that southern. And so she had to take public transportation in the city in Durham. And... Durham's been on like 60 minutes for like their gang problem and stuff. They've got a certain area where you, you don't want to end up. And I'm talking to her. And after a while, I figure out that she just is afraid to get on the bus. And she's afraid to get on the bus and, and go to school because she's afraid that at some point she's going to miss her stop. And she's going to end up somewhere she doesn't want to be. 
for many of us in the body of Christ, we don't want to leave because we're afraid that we're going to end up where we don't want to be. We're afraid to step away from that old mindset, that old way that we know is wrong. That old way of living, that old way of relating to people, that old way of thinking, even thinking and relating to God, that old way that we know is not beneficial to us. We know at some point we have to get up and leave. But we don't because we're afraid at some point we're going to end up where we don't want to be. And so we just stay there. Even if we know that we should have left a long time ago. See, Christ had to leave. Christ had the best setup that any of us could have ever dreamed of. He was sitting up in heaven. He's God. But he recognized that he had to leave. In order for that new creation, in order for that new thing to happen, he had to leave heaven and he had to come down. In order for you to step into the new thing that God has for your life, you can't stay where you are. You have to believe that where God is taking you is better than where you've been. So the first thing he says that a man must leave his father and mother. You must leave that place that's been giving you your provision all this time. You must leave the thing that you've been relying on to satisfy you. You've got to leave that. And it says that he must join his wife. And the two will become one. The first thing, if you you got to leave. But the second thing is that you've got to join You've got to cling fast. You've got to hold on to the thing that God is calling you to. You know, using this analogy of marriage, right? In Hollywood, they understand the concept of leaving pretty well. In Hollywood, everyone understands that they need to, like, everyone wants to get married. But they don't understand that when you join, you've got to go all in. They don't understand that when you join that new thing, you've got to go all the way. And so they have what's known as a prenup. You know, like you read it like they have like the wedding on the on the cover of like people and what are the other tabloids like National Enquirer and blah, 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 blah. And it's like they spend millions and millions of dollars on this wedding and all everyone looks at that and they're like, man, there's so much love there, man. They, they understand, man, they're, they're becoming one. But then you find out they've got a prenup. And what they're really saying is, I love you and I, I really like what's going on with you. And I really want to commit to this. But ultimately, I'm going to hold on to a couple things just in case this doesn't work out. And many of us in the body of Christ, that's how we relate to God. God, I love you. I like what you're talking about here. Some of this stuff sounds good. This thing you're calling me to, I really like it. But I'm going to hold on to this escape route just in case it doesn't work out. 
God, I know you're calling me to be at this place. I know you're calling me to be with these people, to be in this. But you know what, God? I'm going to keep an escape route. I'm not going to commit all the way. Let me, let me have an escape hatch just in case this doesn't work. But when that happens, oneness doesn't happen. In fact, the oneness that you do experience is a counterfeit one. Because it lasts for a moment. But then when times get tough or when things happen that you don't really like. You've got your prenup. And you can, you can leave. You can ditch. You can go back to what you feel more comfortable with. When things don't feel right. God, I know you're calling me to submit to this person. I know you're calling this, me to, to be under this person. But God, I don't really feel comfortable. So I'm going to keep a way out. Just in case they say something that I really don't like and then I can leave. God, I know you're calling me to step into this new level. I know you're calling me into greater intimacy. I know you're calling me, God, to pay this cost. But let me keep some things on the side just in case. You hear what I'm saying? And it prevents us from stepping into that new thing. It prevents us from becoming that new creation. Walking in that new creation. What if Christ would have had a prenup? What if Christ would have looked at us and said, God, I really like them. I really love them. But just in case this doesn't work out, I'm going to keep myself an escape route. None of us in this room would be Christian. None of us would be saved. But that's how we relate to God and that's how we relate to one another. What's the new thing God's calling you into? I assure you, he's calling you to go all in. Here at Itaewon, that's a problem. Let me be real with you today. That's a problem here at this campus. Because for many of us, we come out and we experience the presence of God and you experience a breakthrough and God comes in such miraculous ways. And you know that the glory of God is here. And as we sung, the presence changes you. But we don't want to commit. Just in case it doesn't work out. But you don't become, you don't step into the new thing that way. Jesus said, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And the more and more that you try to save yourself from failure, the, the closer you're getting to it. And it becomes all about us. You know, in, in Hollywood, the reason they have these prenuptial agreements is because their, their marriage is not about the other person. It's not about them laying themselves down and, and giving up something of themselves to become one with, with this other person. It's actually about this person fitting their needs. And then anytime this person stops to fit their needs, then all of a sudden they get their divorce. And it's once again on the cover of People or Us Weekly or whatever it's called. 
The only reason I know those two names is because my mom used to read them a lot. She's like, oh, son, do you hear about what happened to Brad Pitt? <laughs> mom, I don't really care. <laughs> and they have these lists. I remember hearing Pastor John one day talk about lists. I'm, I've never seen Pastor John. He's our worship pastor here at, at New Philly. He's a pretty even keel guy. You talk to him. He's so friendly, so nice, so loving. But I saw him one day just get unbelievably angry. And it was about a list of non-negotiables in like dating. And I remember we were riding around in the car. And there were a couple sisters that were in, in, the, in the van with us. And all of a sudden, one of them was talking about, oh, I've got my list, and he's got to be like this, and he needs to be like this. And he, and he almost, he was driving. He almost like ran us off the road. Like, he was like, what? And I was like, what's, what? John, John, stop grabbing the wheel. And he got so upset. And he was like, you know what? That's the problem right there. And I'm like, oh, snap. John is upset. I ain't never seen John get upset. He's got those like eyes. You know, that look. Like, he just takes off his glasses, and it's just like crazy. I can't, you can't see it with my eyes. My, he's got like these like hazel blue looking eyes that are like, he just does it like that. And it's like, I'm really scared. But he's just like, that's the problem right there. I was like, what are you talking about? And then the sisters in the back got kind of scared because they never heard his voice get like that. He was like, that's the problem right there. He said, you know what? They, you got your list. And you got your list of, of what a person needs to have in order to satisfy you. And ultimately, it becomes all about you. And then when a person comes up and that that person is exactly whom God is calling you to, you don't step into it because they don't fit everything on your list. And I was like, snap, John is preaching. Pulled out my iPhone and started recording. Snap. He was like, you've got your list. And you're expecting that person to fit your prerequisites before you go in, before you commit. And many of us with God, that's exactly how we do it. We walk before God and we have our prerequisites. God, you have to do this. 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 Everything has to look exactly the way I want it to look before I commit. And so maybe God fulfills a couple of those things on your list and then you commit. Maybe God says that, yeah, you want, you wanted a spiritual father that was like this. You wanted a house that was like this. You wanted something that was like this. I'll fulfill a couple of these. But then it doesn't look exactly the way you want it to. So then you either don't commit or you commit half-hearted. And then when it doesn't work out, it's their fault. Then when it doesn't work out, it's God's fault. Then when it doesn't work out, it's that house's fault. Because they didn't do everything you wanted. Because God didn't do everything you thought he should do. And there's no oneness there. There's no newness there. There's not a breakthrough there. I was reading an article, I I read a lot of articles, in the Wall Street Journal about employers. I don't know what's so funny about Wall Street Journal. It's 
It is an actual publication. People do read it. I happen to be one of them. I don't know why I'm talking like this. But I was reading an article and it was, it was talking about our generation in the workplace. Follow me. Stay with me. It's talking about our generation in the workplace. And it gave this example from, from this business on Wall Street where they brought in all their new recruits and all the people that they had just hired. And she sat in the, the interviewer, she sat them all down and she said, how do you think employers see you? I'm going to give you a hint. It starts with the letter E. And these, these people, some fresh out of college, some been out of college about five or six years. They're like, excellent, educated. And she said, entitled. She said that, and then the article goes on to talk about our generation, how we're the ones who, when we step into a workplace, we demand the highest pay. We demand the most vacation days. We demand the best work hours. We demand, demand, demand. And we want our job to fit around our life and our schedule. We want a job that's flexible. But then at the first sign of there being trouble in that business, or the first sign that a better job comes up, we're the first ones to leave. I read that. I was like, snap, conviction. That's not just true for the workplace. See, in order for you to step into something new, you not only have to leave what's old, but you have to commit, you have to embrace what God's calling you into. And you have to be there, present, fully, committed. How many weddings do you think would go through if the person stood up and said, as they were saying their vows, Halfway through, they were like, but if there's economic trouble or if you really get on my nerves, I'm out. That wedding would end so quick. All of us agree that that's not something we'd want to join. But yet that's our attitude in joining the new things that God has for us. So let's say you, you leave. So let's say you say, you know what, God, I'm done with these old ways. I'm done with these old mindsets. I'm done with these old patterns. I'm willing to leave. And then you say, you know what, God, I'm going to commit. And I'm going to give myself. And I'm going to put myself fully into what you're calling me into. You know what happens? That's when you have a new creation. And see, when there's a new creation, everything changes. When newness comes into your life, everything becomes different. When you say, God, I'm not going to think according to the old patterns. I'm not going to live according to those ways. And I'm not going to hold on to them any longer as my escape hatch. 
No, God, you've been calling me into this. You've been speaking. You've been telling me to walk into this. When you begin to take that step and you begin to go into that, what begins to happen is that God begins to pour out his spirit. And then all of a sudden, that very area begins to get changed. And then all of a sudden, you begin to experience newness in your family. That whole time you thought that the reason why your family, the reason why there was issues in your family is because that person had the problem. But you said, no, what? you know what, God, I'm going to leave the way that I used to view them. I'm going to forsake the way that I always used to look at them, God. And instead, I'm going to forgive them. And not only that, but I'm going to commit myself to serve them. And then all of a sudden, what begins to happen is God begins to move in your family. And then those people who are hard hearted towards you, all of a sudden, their hearts begin to soften. And all of a sudden, they want to know why you're serving, why you're so committed, why you're so loving. And then all of a sudden, everything begins to change. That workplace that you thought was dead and dry and you were just waiting for the first ticket out of Dodge. All of a sudden, when you say, you know what, God, I'm not going to view this place the same way that I used to. I'm not going to look at them in the same way, with the same bitterness, with the same anger, with the same unhealthy expectations that I brought into it. But instead, God, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to I'm going to live in the attitude of Christ Jesus, who considered equality with God, something that could not be grasped and took on the form of a servant, humbling himself. You know what, God, I'm going to live like that. And you begin to commit yourself to it, no holding back any longer. Then what you begin to notice is that everything begins to change. All of a sudden, that boss that had that witchcraft spirit. Your love and your faith is so much stronger than any witchcraft spirit. You succumbing to it is just giving it more authority over your life. But you say, you know what? No, I'm going to take, I'm going to really take the low road. I'm not just going to say it. I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden, God begins to pour out his spirit and then everything begins to be new. And then even in that place, you can't help but increase. You can't help but grow in that place because the word of the Lord says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. When you begin to put yourself into his likeness, his ways in that kind of way, there's ever increasing glory. There's nothing but increase. Maybe where you view church as being a particular way, you say, you know what? I'm going to lay that down and I'm going to commit. You can talk to any of the leaders in this house how that turns out. You probably see them yelling and shouting and being extravagant in worship. You probably see them praying for you and bondages getting broken off. How does that happen? It happened because when they came in, they said, you know what? I'm going to let go of my presuppositions as to what church should look like and what ministry should look like and what sonship should look like. I'm going to lay all of that down because that's all about me. And I'm going to commit. And then all of a sudden, God says, that's a vessel I can trust with my spirit. And then all of a sudden, there's a new creation that begins to happen. God wants to change Itaewon. But what has to change first is that we have to leave that old mindset that Itaewon is a place that people don't want to be at. We have to leave the old mindset that Itaewon is a place where God's spirit is absent. We have to leave that old mindset that the darkness is too much to be overcome. 
And we have to say, you know what, God, you placed me here in this house, in this place. So, God, I'm going to commit. I'm going to lay myself down. I'm going to serve and I'm going to love on the people in Itaewon. I was talking to Pastor Mina down in Busan. Over half of the people who committed to come to their opening service were not Christian. Didn't know Jesus, didn't like Jesus, but they said, hey, I'll go to church. And I was talking to her about why did that happen? And then as I was talking to her, the revelation hit me that they left everything here in Seoul. And they said, you know what, I'm going to. And then when they got there, their minds were completely open in the way that they were going to view Busan and in the way that they were going to view every single person that they interacted with. And then not only that, but then they said, you know what, we've made this move. So now we're going to commit ourselves fully. No holding back. We're not going to create ourselves an escape route that after a couple months, if things get hard, I'm just going to move back to Seoul. No, they committed. Two years of their life. Not knowing anyone. And what's coming from that is a new creation. What's coming from that is a church that is going to be filled with people who are going to get revelations of who Christ is. What's, what's coming from that is God's presence going into every area of society. And I don't believe that that's just a word for Busan. I believe that's a word for us, church. I believe that the word of the Lord for each one of us is that God wants to do a new thing in every area, every place that we go to. But first, we have to be willing to leave, lay down our own presuppositions, our own assumptions. And commit. Fully. Church, let's pray.